Veritas, what's going on? Welcome. If you're watching online uh, in a wonderful air-conditioned room or uh, if you're here on a beautiful Sunday morning in July, what, a, what an awesome breeze. God is so good. And we moved out of the hot sun uh, into the shade. Uh, a lot of you have shaded spots, but actually this morning I was talking to some people over in the sun like, hey, there's seats over here. There's a lot of room. Like, actually, it's kind of chilly. So we like the sun. So um, wherever you're at, there's a little something for everybody this morning, whether it's uh, shade, sun, air condition. Um, we're glad that you've joined us. Um, I just want to start by commending Zach Rao. Um, now, Zach preached on uh, 4th of July weekend, and so Zach is our 23-year-old uh, uh, on staff full-time, and we are excited about, about him. And as I was watching from Omaha, I'm just like, Zach, that was amazing. Uh, do you guys understand the degree of difficulty for what he did last week, okay? Standing in the hot sun, okay, you were like, yeah, tell me about it. I was sitting there. Uh, no, like he's standing, staring at the sun. He's preaching live to people online. He's trying to preach the Bible with the wind and notes flying everywhere and the Bible. And uh, it's his first time ever preaching at Veritas and um, he did a great job. It was fun. I was talking to Mike Quinlan, and he was like, yeah, the young lad last week. He did a great job. Well, as it turns out, we're super excited about our young lads because they are the future leaders uh, for the next generation. And if, if we've got um, as many men and women uh, on fire for Christ like we do here um, in Iowa City, around the SALT Network, what we're seeing God do among the next generation that's what we are so stoked about, to see what God is doing. And so great job, Zach, bringing the word last week. Uh, we love our young lads. All right. Um, so we are in 1 John this morning. So if you have a Bible, open to 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 through chapter 3, verse 10. We're gonna be, I'm going to be reading for you. If I can. Um, all right, here we go. Uh, we are in John chapter 2, verse 28. He says, so now, little children, remain in him so that when he appears, we may, be, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. See what great love the Father has given us, that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. Children, let no one deceive you. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the devil's works. 
Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He's not able to sin because he's been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. So last week, Zach gave us a warning from the text about the false teachers, about the antichrists, about the liars who stand in pulpits all over the world, uh, who get on podcasts and they deceive. And John is warning us. And Zach asks the question, is Veritas Church a church that you even want to go to? And I thought that was a great question because we're not just looking this morning at all those people out there, what we're doing is we're looking at ourselves. We're looking at Veritas Church, Truth Church, and we're saying, are we the people that God has called us to be? And he says in verse, and, and you think about that, it could stir up some doubt in us, right? That message last week, like, I don't know. Do I really know God? Am I, I don't know. Is this, is this really a Truth Church it could stir up some doubt. And so look what he says in verse 28. So now little children remain in him so that when he appears, we may have what? Confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. John is actually doing the opposite of trying to make us doubtful. He's, he's trying to give us confidence. That's what he's talking about this morning. What is confidence? Here's the definition. The state of feeling certain about the truth of something. Are people confident today? The people that you know, your neighbors, your friends, your, all of your Facebook friends and, and Snapchat followers, are, are they confident, would you say? This is what's so interesting. Uh, my wife was talking to a friend recently and, and outwardly, uh, I mean, she was just asking questions, you know, and, and just uh, this, this friend was very confident very confident about all the hot topics in the news. You know, all their opinions were exactly the right opinions and super confident about all those things. And then the conversation turned a little bit um, that as they talk, uh, my wife found out this person uh, just recently was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease and realized that their life uh, expectancy was cut down drastically, maybe 10 years left to live. And, and this person, this friend, though outwardly confident inside, was struggling with the fear of death, the fear of the future. Church, I'm not afraid of us being confident. I'm afraid of us being confident about the wrong things, right? John wants us to be confident, to have assurance but what is the confidence that John wants for us? Here it is. On Tuesday, November 3rd, the candidate that you need to vote for is... Just kidding. No. That's not the confidence he wants us to have. He wants us to have the confidence and not be ashamed that when Jesus comes back, we don't have to be afraid and say, oh no. No, we are actually like, eagerly anticipating the return of Jesus because we know who we are. 
We know who we are. That's what John wants for us this morning. No fear when Jesus shows up or when we uh, are facing the end of our life. John wants us to be confident and confident. And this confidence comes from knowing two things. He starts in verse 1. And this confidence, we need to know two things. It's who you are and who you forever will be. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. He says, see what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. And we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. If you're taking notes, number one, God wants you to be confident about who you are. Do you know who you are this morning? Do you have confidence about who you are? Here's who you are. God is your father. He loves you. This love is unlike anything you've ever experienced. I think that one of the most important factors in human growth and development is a parent, a mom, and or a dad regularly reminding a child that they are loved, that my son, my daughter, I love you, and there's nothing that will ever change that. On your best day, you will hear me say, I love you. On your worst day, you will hear the parents say, I love you. It doesn't matter. It's just the context, when the context of someone's life is that they are loved, things will most likely go well for them. So here's a question. Does God do this for us? And if so, how? <laughs> Romans 8, 15 and 16 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, Abba, this word, Daddy, Father. Verse 8, uh, Romans eight sixteen. the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. The role of the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian is he comes into your life and one of the things that he does for you is he reminds you of who you are. Remember that you are loved. Some of you guys have been in situations. You might be a new Christian, and you might have fallen back into some old behavior, and all of a sudden you're, you're drunk or something like that, and, and you, you feel like God's speaking to you and saying, hey, hey, that's really not who you are. And you walk around, and you're like, yeah, that's not who I am. That's who I was. That's not who I am now. And, and the Holy Spirit lovingly calls you back and affirms you like, that's not who you are. That old pattern of sin, that behavior, that, that's not you. It's not the real you. You are created to be a child of God. And this requires us hearing and, and speaking this. Even the, the first words, we, we just studied the Lord's Prayer, and the way that he wants us to talk to God every time is to start with saying, Our Father, to remind ourselves, to, to hear from the Holy Spirit that we are children of God, and to speak to ourselves the truth that we are loved by God, just as we sang this morning, good, good Father. But here's the thing. Look at verse 10. He distinguishes between God's children and the devil's children. 
God's children and the devil's children. So John is saying that not everyone can say that God is their father. There might be some here this morning that God is not your father. Well, John 8, Jesus talks about this. He's talking to religious leaders. And he says, you belong to your father, the devil. So we are not just born children of God. So how can I know that God is my father? How can you know that God is your father? Well, look at uh, chapter 2, verse 29. He says, if you know that he is righteous, you know this as well. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Everyone who has been born of God, verse not, sorry, chapter 3, verse 9, I'm skipping down. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin because his seed remains in him. He's not able to sin. Why? Because he has been born of God. Now, this is a little confusing. And if you're new to the Bible, you're like, there's so much back and forth here. I'm having a really hard time understanding what John's saying. Here, let me explain it. Okay. It sounds like what John is saying is the way that you become a child of God is to not sin. It's to kind of get your act together and be a good person, and then God will welcome you into his family if you do enough good things. But that's not what he says. He uses this phrase, has been. Like everyone who has been born of God does not sin. So something has happened to this person. Something happened in your past that changed you as a person. And here's what it is. Three times he says it throughout this passage. Born of him. Born of him. Born of God. The thing that happened to this person is that they were born again. Jesus uses this language in John chapter 3. He says to this religious guy, you must be born again. Otherwise, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You must be born again. So a changed life is not a requirement for being saved. It's not a requirement to get into heaven. A changed life is the result of being saved. You know, I often hear people say, well, I, I, I want to get baptized, but there's some things in my life I need to clean up first. Well, here's the lie in that. You can't clean yourself up first. If you wait to get your act together before you get baptized, no, that's kind of the point of baptism is you can't. You can't get your act together. You need to become uh, an apple tree before you start producing fruit. And that's a miracle that happens when you place your faith in Jesus Christ. John 3, after Jesus talking to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He said, for God so loved the world and he gave his one and only son that whoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the good news of the gospel is that by turning away from sin and receiving Jesus, you are given spiritual birth into the family of God. So have you experienced spiritual rebirth this morning? Have you experienced this rebirth that John talks about? Well, if that's true, you can be confident about who you are. Look at our second point here. Uh, moving on in verse 2, he says, Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. 
we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. If you're taking notes, the second point is this. God wants you to be confident about who you forever will be. God wants you to be confident about who you forever will be. We are God's children now. And what we will be has not been, yet been revealed. But he says, but we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. We will be like Jesus. We will be like Jesus and because we will see him as he is right now. Do you guys know what Jesus looks like right now? Have any of you guys read Revelation 1? I mean, this is like, this is one of the most amazing statements. If you stop to really think about this, this is going to make your heart just explode with joy. John is saying, you will be like Jesus Christ. Do you know what Jesus is like right now? Well, let me read Revelation 1. It, in verse 13, John gets a vision of Jesus. He says he, in verse, uh, Revelation 1, verse 13, he was dressed in a robe with a golden sash wrapped around his chest. The hair of his head was white as wool, white as snow, and his eyes were like a fiery flame. Okay, everyone turn around and stare at the sun for like a few seconds. No, no, no. I'm staring at the sun. That's like one of his eyes is like that. His feet were like fine bronze as it is fired in the furnace. His voice like the sound of cascading waters. You stood at something like the Niagara Falls. Or if you ever get to go to Zambia, you'll go to Kundalila Falls, and you will hear what cascading water sounds like. Wow. His face, verse 16, was shining like the sun at its full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. He laid his right hand on me and said, Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, if God is your Father, and if what John says is true, that you will be transformed to be like Jesus, here's how it's going to go down. Let me spoil the ending of your life. Let me spoil the ending of your life right now if this is true of you. You're going to die, or Jesus is going to show up, one of the two. But your life will end with either Jesus showing up or you dying, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to see Jesus like John saw Jesus. You're going to fall down on the ground as though you're dead. He's going to put his hand on you, and he's going to speak these words, don't be afraid, I'm the living one. And then you're going to be transformed to be like him. 
that is the most exciting and yet least talked about thing about you. Like, how often do you talk about that? How often do we reflect on the glory that is to come? And Paul, when he's talking about this, he says, for our light and momentary troubles are not, they're achieving for us an eternal glory like these, these sufferings, they're not worth comparing to the glory that is to come. Christian, do you think about the person you forever will be? John wants us to be confident about who we are and who we will be. And as this conversation went on uh, with this friend that my wife was talking to, this person said, after talking about their disease that was going to shorten their life, said, I've always wanted to go to Europe. And now what this virus means is that I may never get to go. They were imagining a future that's lost. And it was the fear and the sadness was manifesting itself in sort of a, a confident anger about all these topics that they're reading about on, online, on social media. But really, they were grieving the loss of a future. And it was creating sadness. Veritas, my job is not just to help you know how to have a better life in 10 years. My job is not just to tell you how to stay healthy as long as you can, to make as much money as you can so you can have a nice vacation home, so you can have a nice life in 10 years. My job is to help you have a nice life in 10 million years. And what I'm telling you is, everyone who has been born again who has placed their faith in Jesus, has this hope. And you can be confident about who you are and who you forever will be. And look at how it ends here. Verse 3, he begins this other idea or continues this idea when he says, everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Remember the false teachers at the beginning. The context of this is there were some people going around and there were some teachings. And the teachings had something to do with this. If you know Jesus Christ and you've been enlightened by his teaching, then he has freed you from any kind of obedience to rules, religion. I mean, it is you are free to do whatever you want. No obligation to obedience to the commands of God. What does John say? He says, no, no, no. Wait, how would that be possible? Everyone who's born of God does not sin. Like, this new life that God has given you doesn't free you to be lawless. It frees you from lawlessness. It frees you from slavery. Like, when you come to know Jesus, that doesn't free you to go back to your old life and now not feel any guilt about all the stuff you were doing. No, no, no. John says that would miss the whole point. And that's what these deceivers were teaching. There's plenty of these deceivers that have uh, 
podcast with the most subscribers, right? People love this message. Like, you can know Jesus and do whatever you want. John's saying, no, no, no. Everyone who actually has this hope purifies themselves as he is pure. I hear this objection a lot. There are a lot of imposters in the church, right, that claim to be Christians. Throughout history, this has been the case. Often when I'm talking to people, they'll bring up the Crusades or they'll bring up slavery or whatever. These, these terrible things in, in American history. Slavery, the, the scourge of this evil in our culture. And there were people in churches like promoting this. But listen, thinking about the Crusades, these people with riding on horses and shields with crosses on them and swords and, you know, let's... Whatever the, the example is, just because someone slaps a Jesus bumper sticker on the horse doesn't mean they're followers of Jesus, right? Anyone can claim anything. But John is saying, if we have this hope, it will purify us. Here's just a question as we close. Two questions. Number one, how would you live if you were confident that you were loved by Jesus in this way? How would you live? One of the things I think about is the pressure we have to be a certain way online. I need everyone in my tribe to know that I'm, I'm really in and, and so I, I need their approval or I need their affirmation I want to be liked. I, I need people to know that I am for the right things. And so I need to show you all my righteousness and get your approval. Maybe it's in performance. Maybe it's even in a church context to get the approval of the people in your connection group. You feel like you have to do this, this performance because they're all a certain way and and you have to, to fit in. You have to show how much you care about all these causes or I must be a true Christian. Look at my Twitter feed. Like I'm for all the right things, right? But actually, if we knew who we are in Christ, we could just humbly walk with Jesus and it frees us to love the people around us. The people who are actually in our lives to love them, serve them, because I don't need them to feed my approval and affirmation, and, and I could just love them. And he's going to get into this in the next section about love, and that's where he ends in verse 10 about the freedom to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. The second thing, if you really were confident about your future, who you forever will be, how would that change your life? How would it change your life if you were fully convinced that you were going to be resurrected from the dead? How would that change Monday morning for you when you wake up? How would it change our, our friends' perspective that they really wanted to go to Europe, but they're grieving the loss of that? How would, if that friend was a child of God, how would it change their perspective about the future? If you had no fear, 
of what was going to come because you knew your future was bright. Your future, very bright, literally bright. God is going to transform you from one degree of glory to another. Let's pray together. Jesus, this morning, my prayer for Veritas Church For the people watching at home on a screen, for the people that are here, that we would be confident that we are loved by you. And that you are going to transform us and bring us into heaven. to be with you, to reign forever and ever. And that with this hope in us, you will purify us and transform us to be the people that you've called us to be, a people of salt, a people of light, a people of love. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.